Lord God, Lord, as we come before you now, we worship you. We want to worship you now as we open your word. And God, it's a joy to see faces that are, that are here to connect with you. And as we've connected through worship, God, we can connect through your word. And Lord, I pray that this morning that you would impart in us, to us something very special. You're going to meet us where we're at personally. You're going to speak to each heart here. Your spirit wants that. And Lord, these people here desire that. And if they don't, Lord, oh, hold them tight. Let them feel your presence, oh God. God, we love you so much. And we just are here expectant to what you're going to do. So that's why we're here, God. So please, do something in our hearts. Bring forward in our thoughts of something that maybe we need to deal with, something we need to surrender. Maybe there's something we need to give joy and praise for. God, we just thank you that you want to reveal things to us. We are here to enjoy you, to let you impact our hearts. And so do that now. Let us leave here better than we came in, fuller than we came in and with expectancy as we go. But now, God, we open our hearts to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Please be seated. Thank you, worship team. I, 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 I rarely do it. I did it last service, and I did it this service. Later, young people. And I never let them go. They just leave. <laughs> Is that I got to watch you worship, and it's a joy. You know, It's okay to look around and see worshipers because they, they inspire us, and they help us to connect with our God, and you do that, and to hear your voices, I was standing amongst you, and then hear your voices, and see you singing with joy, that's a wonderful thing, it's a wonderful thing, you know, because we are connecting with God in our own way, and we're growing in God in our own way, today, you know, we're, we're going to talk about something a little bit uh, uh, that maybe uh, we're lacking in in our life, we're going to talk about wisdom, and I think a lot of us, we could take a step back because a lot of us have, have a really a, a lot of smarts regarding the Word of God. And, and we, can, we can enjoy the Word of God and we know it, but a lot of times it doesn't play out in our lives. It doesn't. You know, there's a lot of people in our world, too, that have a lot of street smarts or smarts, right? You know those people that can program the old, you know, computers? You know they had to do that? I can't do that. I, and, and, and yet, you know, they can't what? They can't, they can't button their shirt sometimes, right? You know, my sister used to brag back in the day when there was a VCR. She put it on her resume. She goes, and I can program a VCR. You young people don't understand. It's hard. We didn't know how to do it. We just saw this light blink, and we're like, whatever. You know, sometimes we're not able to do things. We can understand it, but it doesn't relate into life. And I think the sad thing is, is we see that in the secular world, but we also see it in the spiritual world amongst the church. We understand the Word of God, but it doesn't flow through us into life. But Christian, we have something. We have something that we can tap into, and it's called wisdom. See, wisdom is an important thing. It helps us take understanding and let us live it out. That's what it does. And so often we miss out. We get the understanding, but we don't know how to relate it in our lives. And we as Christians, we have something that the world doesn't have. A connection with God. Thus, we have the wisdom of God at our disposal. They don't understand it. They don't know what that looks like. Yet you do. 
and you can tap into it. And we don't sometimes, and it's sad. I want to read out of Proverbs, and in Proverbs 4, verse 7, it says, The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with your acquiring, get understanding. You see, they go hand in hand. We get the understanding, we get the wisdom. We get the wisdom, we're going to understand what we're thinking. And we need to understand it so we can relate it to our lives. And most people have the knowledge, but they can't translate it. And so I'm going to speak to the believers today. I'm going to speak to the believers because, you know what, I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. I, I know there's a lot of other people that know a lot more about God's Word than me. But the question is, do we know how to relate it to our lives? Do we know how to understand it? Can we fathom what it really means to have wisdom? Do we have it? So today, in all my wisdom, I came up with the most brilliant title for this message. And if you look at it, it's very awesome. It says, wisdom is as wisdom does. Oh. You go, oh, that's brilliant, Tom. What does it mean, right? Because you know, we all know Forrest Gump. Yeah, we got, yeah, you wonder where I got my idea, right? And we, we understand it. We understand, okay, what does Forrest Gump say? He goes, you know, stupid is as stupid does. What does that mean? You know, we got to think about that. What does it mean? You, what Really, what it is is, you know, you're not stupid unless you show it, okay? Unless you actually do it. And so you can sit there all day long on a bench, but until you actually show it, you're not stupid. Oh, that's a great thing. A lot of people are going, phew, I'm not moving. Right? And sadly, that's where we want to sit. We don't want to prove the fact of who we are. And as Christians, if we have wisdom, it's going to show out in our lives. So you can sit there all day long going, yeah, I know the Bible, but hey, why? So I'm not going to do anything. No, we're supposed to, we're supposed to help this world. We're supposed to be this, this, this light to a world that needs it so bad. The world doesn't know what's going on. And we are to tap in to the wisdom because I tell you, we're in some hard times. And we need wisdom, especially in the church. Because the world doesn't know how to navigate hard times. The world is lost. They're out there trying to do that on their own with understanding, but without wisdom, where are you going to get? Okay, I think of, James in chapter 1 and we, we know what it says in verse 5 and James is talking about trials hard times for the believer if you need wisdom this is what you do in those hard times it says but if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask God ask of God who gives it to all generously without reproach and it will be given to him now we know in the context he's saying in your tribulations in your trials and your hardship and I tell you in our world are we not in that situation right now and our world is spinning out of control and we can know that things can escalate very quickly it doesn't matter who you are maybe you're having trouble in your marriage maybe you're having trouble in your job maybe you're having trouble with maybe your diet maybe you're having trouble with dealing with what's coming over the airwaves because and then we can look at all the trouble in the world. We think of globally. We think of Israel. And I've had a lot of people going, oh, it's the end times, Tom. It's the end times. Because you know what's going to happen is, you know, here we had Hamas. We got Israel and all that. And the next thing you know, you got, you're going to have Iran coming in because they're buddies. Then the United States comes down. And, of course, then Russia's got to come down because they're friends with, with Iran. Then you got Gog and Magog. And it's Ezekiel 38. And the world is over, right? Yeah. People are going, Amen. We're going to rapture. Yes, we are, yeah. Or maybe it'll be like 1973, the Yom Kippur War. Kind of ended, right? Hmm. 
I'm not saying it's not going to blow over. I'm not saying the world can't erupt into World War III. I think we're all in for a ride. And a lot of people go, so it's the end times, right? It's the end times. And they always ask me that. Oh, we're in the end now. Here we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. And they're all wondering. And I want you to understand, Christian, right now, you need wisdom. You need to it. You need it bad because why? Listen up, everyone in the room, and if you're watching at home, understand that these are your last days. Period. These are your last days. They could result in rapture, sure. We don't know how they'll result, but they are yours, and every Christian before you lived in their last days. And that is how we have to approach this, because you need to know how to use wisdom in your last days. And if you're not, you are following the ways of the world, and we're going to get into that in a moment. Understand it very plainly. I wrote it like this so we cannot beat around the bush. These are your last days. Get wisdom and use it now. Oh, we need wisdom. You got to know how to navigate. You got to know how to deal with these hardships, these things coming at you, how to deal with the news of the end of the world and the nuclear holocaust that is beckoning right now. How are you going to deal? What are you going to do? Oh, I don't know. I just got to. We've got to know. We've got to have wisdom. So how do we get it? Please write this down. Understand, wise people, that's you, Christian, are surrendered to God's control. So you've got to get it over. You've got you've to give it over to God. There, God is in control, and you've got to surrender to it. And a lot of times, we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. You see, you were designed to do what God would have you do. But a lot of times, Christians today, we don't. We, we're not doing what we're designed to do. It's kind of like, you know, you're trying to screw something in with a hammer. You never do that. It doesn't work too well. Hurts the screw, hurts the wood, whatever you're doing. And it always winds up with a problem. And many Christians, we are not doing what we were designed to do. And we need to understand that we need the wisdom to do it. As I'm going to go back to Proverbs here. And in Proverbs 9, verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we have knowledge, but the problem is we don't respect God. We don't fear Him. Because if you did, where would your life be? You go, well, God's loving. Yeah, I love my parents, but man, I wouldn't want to cross my dad when he was younger. Woo! The thing is, is we want to we respect. We want to honor that. That's what we want to do. And so James gets into it, and he, he says, hey, we've got to get some wisdom in our lives because the Christian is just living on understanding where are you going. Look at verse 13 of chapter 3. This is our key text today of James, and it says this. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So a lot of us, we kind of look at this in the gentleness of our wisdom and how we're to act, how it's to play out in our lives. I look at that word gentleness, and we, we have to understand gentleness is this word meekness or being meek. And meek is, 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 is the understanding is it's power under control. It's not something wimpy. It's like a thoroughbred horse. Unless the, the rider, it is broken and the rider has control, what's it going to do when you unleash it on the track? It's going to do whatever it wants and maybe jump over a rail. 
It's not going to win a race. It's not going to do what it's designed to do. But if, it's, if the rider has control, then that race is going to be the horses to win. You see, you see there's, there's power there. And so what we have to understand is our God needs to have control over this. That's his wisdom. That's what this verse is saying. We need him under control for us. That's what meekness is. We need to do it and we need to be sensitive to it. See, a lot of us, we're not even sensitive. We're not even listening to God. We don't have the respect for God. Because why? We are not broken. We are not in control by the Savior. We are doing our own thing. I think of this, you know, being sensitive and how quickly we can fall into the trap. I I have a pool guy. His name is Nick. And and Nick's really a good guy. And uh, and I've been trying to witness to him for, for years now. And, and I've been praying about it, and we, we get into some conversations sometimes. And, and then a few weeks back, he was there, and I went out, and, and we, we started talking, and, we started, and the door opened. And, and he said, yeah, you know, I pray that Jesus would save me every day or almost at least once a week. I asked that he would save me. And I said, well, Nick, it's not like that. I said, what you need is you need to ask Jesus to to come into your life and and save you that way to come in and make you new and make you a child of god invite him to be a part of you like it's because it's a it's a relationship it's not just a prayer it's something that you do and you you give your life to him and he's like really i go yeah because just knowing about jesus everybody knows about jesus you can you can you can go and, and terrorists know who jesus is Religions know who Jesus is. Demons know who Jesus is. But you've got to have a relationship with him. It's like, wow. And then we are able to pray, and he asked Christ to come into his life. So give it up for Nick. Yeah. And, and, and I, I want, I, I, I'm that person, so the next week I, I was making sure, I, were you going to be there? And he's like, yeah. So I, I wanted to make sure, you know, and we talked to him more. It's like, wow. You know, Nick accepting the Lord. But you know what? It almost didn't happen because of me. It happened on my day off. See, my day off is very important to me. I get one day all week if I, if, I, if, I, if I covet it, if I just say, don't bother me. You know, this is my day off. And I was making my spaghetti sauce. Yeah, I was canning. Laura was there. It was a good time. And, and I'm making my vat of spaghetti. And there came Nick. And I'm like, no. I'm spaghettiing it, yeah, yeah. And, and the Lord's saying, you have to talk to Nick. I'm like, I'm not talking to Nick. My time. My time. And I almost missed the opportunity. I didn't want to go out to talk to Nick. But I felt the Lord's impression to go. But boy, that was hard. It was hard. And I thought of what it says here in verse 14. Look at verse 14. And it says, but if you have bitterness or bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. You see, I was jealous of my time. I was selfishly arrogant going, it's my time. I want to do what I want to do. And, I, and I, what would have that said about my faith if I sat there and said, I don't care, God. Nick can, Nick can clean the pool. I'm out. I'm doing my thing. What would that say about who I was in Christ? When the Lord prompts me, and here I go, no, no, no. 
You see, that's what we have to understand is we have to step in when we're called to step in. And sometimes it's very uncomfortable. See, understand, being motivated by selfish ambition makes you a liar against God's truth. See, I'm lying. See, it's, it's truth. Oh, you, everybody needs to be saved. But I'm not on my time. Not on what I am. See, that's what American Christians really hold dear, our time, because we want to do what we want to do. So that's why we, we have to ask people for, to help out in children's or junior high. It's because we got to do, I, I, I've served my time, I'm doing my time, I'm budgeting my time, i got to do it all. And we're, we're sitting there going, hey, you know what, I, I, I don't want to do that. Church, we got to respond. See, that's what being a Christian is, is we're responding to what God has called us to do. I mean, what are we going to say to God? What did I say to God on Judgment Day? He's going, hey, Tom, you did all these great things, and, and I gave you more opportunities, but what were you doing? I go, I was making spaghetti sauce. Have you tried it? I wouldn't say that. How many of us would say something like that? On Judgment Day, we're standing there before God, and he, he's just going, praise the Lord. You know, but what, what was holding you back from doing more? Oh, my thing. What's your thing? What's your thing that you're going, hey, you know what? This is more important in my last days to do that than to do what God is prompting me. See, he wants to prompt us. And a lot of times we aren't open to it. We are, we are neglecting it and we are not listening to it because we are not resolved to do anything. That's the problem with the American Christian. So I tell you, know this. Is I want you to resolve to submit your life to the Father. To say, I'm going to do it. I mean, I, it's, it's not going to be fun all the time. I didn't want to do it. It's like that's why we go to church. We go to church. We resolve to go to church because why? Well, I want to become closer to God I know it's the right thing to do and I made a resolution or I'm going to resolve to do that sure but what else see what, what else do you need to do see we got to go and we got to submit ourselves to God letting him take over because that's what you do you surrender but then when you surrender you got to do something else and this is the number two wives people that's you practice God's desires see God desires you to do some things that you do not desire to do. And so we got to practice them. It's kind of like if you're, if you're playing basketball and you are riding the bench, the coach wants to know if he can point at you and say, you're up, that you're ready to go. So what do you do during the week? Is you're, you're going, you practice. And the same thing goes with us, is we as Christians, we are called not to sit there and practice our selfish ambitions, going, I am a number one. Like we just read in verse 14. Look at verse 15. He refers back. He says, this wisdom, that selfish ambition, that's what he's talking about. You desiring what you want, that's what he's saying, is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly natural and demonic whoa see what james is saying here he's saying when you strive after your own selfish ambitions and you're jealous for what you want he's saying that's demonic what what that, that's harsh yeah but it's there because that is not of god so you are practicing what the devil would have you practice and so we have to really come to grips with that because seeking your own will is equated to what is demonic. Oh, 
Christian, have you ever thought of it like that? My own will? Outside of God's? Because who are you? Who are you? Remember, as Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John, he said very plainly, he answered him and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, that means born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So Christian, if you are born from above, you have a nature that is in you that is of God. He has now saved you. So you are no longer in the demonic world. You're playing with the demonic world. The spiritualness of it. That's what is getting, that is what is getting at here. Is we have to understand this is where Satan rules. The sensualities, that earthly desire, those things are, are of demons. They're the ones that corrupted the world. And so your selfishness is then going back to what you want is that is of them. And so we see how he, how he answers this. And he says this, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. See, God's not a God of disorder every evil thing and so if you are dabbling you see it very plainly you know this is the state of our world you want to know what's wrong with the world that and so what is the christian's job what are we designed to do god's desires what what does it do it's to bring wisdom to this dying dark place and that's your job your job my job we get to do it because we understand these are the last days it's their last days too it could end in any kind of way. We don't know, but this is our reality and theirs. And so James goes, how do you respond to this? How are you supposed to be sensitive? How do you get ready so when you are, you are submitted to God, you know how to act? How do you practice? And he gives us eight different things and areas that we can practice in, and then we'll see the wisdom of God well up in us as we go forward. And it starts in verse 17. We can read it right here. It says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. So there's eight there. There's eight areas that we can develop and show wisdom in our lives. You can show it. You got to just look at yourself a little bit more. See, the first one is purity. And purity is something that's it's free from defilement. And a lot of times we think, oh, I can't be pure. I don't think I can do be pure because being pure is hard, you know. L- look, look with me if you would. I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians here. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. I love this verse. Look what it says here. Satan, he's the one that's crafty, and he, he led Eve astray. And then what does it say? Astray from what? The simplicity and purity. You see, it, it's easy. That's what it's saying. 
The simplicity of following Christ. You're going, well, no, it's hard. And that's what the world says. Satan goes, you, you can't do it. That's his craftiness. I mean, come on, you know, look at your devices. I have an iPad. I can pull up some amazing pictures on here if I wanted to. I can come up with some lusts of things I need to buy. I can come up with distractions of things to get my mind off of God. Maybe there's something else. There's something in the world that, hey, it says, you know what? You can't have control over your body because you are just an animal instinct amongst you and you can't discipline yourself. See, that's the lie. When God says, no, 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 it's simple to be pure. It's simple. You can do this. See, church, understand that purity is a choice of personal discipline. See, yeah, you don't have to sleep around. Hmm. I don't have to go to the internet to look at certain things. Hmm. I don't have to, you know what, defile my body with substance abuse. I don't have to do certain things. You are capable of disciplining yourself. You're here this morning. And that might take initiative on your part, but you have to make a choice on your part. And we don't buy into the line that the world says, no, you can't. You should be free to do whatever you want. Where is that? That is every unlawful thing. That's every, the world going off the rails. It's evil. So we see that. So we see purity. Well, the next one James writes out here is, is he says very plainly, is peace. Peace is evidence. See, if you have peace in your life, there's some wisdom there. You're going, oh, great, I got peace. If you don't have peace, that means there's a demonic influence in your life. Think of that. There, there's an earthly influence on your life because you're lacking peace in your heart. There's something in there. Maybe, maybe it's some music you're listening to. Maybe it's some people that you're listening to. Maybe it's just a sin that you're grabbing onto and you have an angst about you. Maybe you lack confession in your life. That's why we see in 1 John 1, 9, what do we do? It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, then you, you have a clean conscience. That's what you get. See, confession leads to repentance because you're turning from that sin to God and he cleanses you. And so then you don't want to sin. You don't have that, that angst between you and God. Understand, personal peace is being at peace with God. So if you lack it, what's going on? Oh yeah, peace in the world? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about that. So we can look at ourselves, we can get wisdom, and it's really your choice of what you're going to do. Are you going to confess? Because I'll tell you, that's what we need to do. So we have purity, peace, and then he brings up gentleness. We talked about gentleness already, being meek. That means your power under control. Who's in control? God's in control. He's guiding you. And you've got you've to give it over to us. That's a gentleness. And a lot of times we're not gentle because you know what? We're causing issues. You go, really? Yeah, you, you ca you're causing problems in your life? Are, are you not controlling? You're not being controlled by God? Because if, if your life is full of problems, what's, what's going on with you? And then a lot of Christians, they like to say this whole idea of going, well, so okay, so problems. So you're saying I need to compromise. No, no, no. I don't know where in the Christian psyche we've ever got the idea that we have to compromise the word of God. See, we're supposed to stand for the word of God. We're, we're steadfast. It's not you causing the problem. If you are being 
steadfastness on God's word. That's not what it is. See, we are, we are to let God do the things that he needs to do. We're just supposed to remain and let him take control. Let, let me share you a great, great scripture out of Romans. Here's Romans 12. Look at verse 17. It says, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so as it depends on you. Be at peace with all men. So if possible. That doesn't say compromise. It doesn't say, hey, let them have their way. It is saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand for God's truth. And if they've got a problem with it, okay. Because look what God deals with it. He says, he says never take your own revenge, beloved. But leave room for the wrath of God. All right. Church, if we're going to get revenge on somebody, you're missing out on God's wrath on them. You ever look at it like that going, okay, I'll step back. I'll let God deal with you. Man, try that with your enemy, right? Try loving on him a little bit. See what happens because look what it says. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. If he is in doing so, what are you, look at what you're doing. You're heaping coals on his head. I'll burn him, people. Burn him with the coals. Let God do that convicting. See, you are just holding fast to your beliefs, and we see what it says. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome by evil with good. Real simply, church, we have to understand is we need to use power for good. Use your power for good. You're standing firm. You're, you're meekness, letting God take control and let him deal with it. You go about your business. Go about what you are called to do as a Christian, as a follower of God. You are saying, I'm going to be gentle in this. I'm not going to be haughty. I'm not going to just, you know, go out and take my gun and take everything into my own hands, right? You're going to let God deal with it. And so we have gentleness. But gentleness is immediately followed, we see, with this word. And it's called reasonableness. See, you need to be gentle. And, and a lot of people then, what do we take that into, into, into four? Is sometimes we just go, I'm combative. I believe what I believe, and I'm going to put my foot down. I don't care. You know, hell or hard water, this is it. My stand, this is what I'm going to do. But then we have reasonableness, and this is something different. Because we are to be those people that are stalwart, but reasonableness is, is, is making sure that we are easy to be around. Do you know what that means? See, if you have turmoil, you have people that don't want to be around you, there's a problem with you. A Christian is to be a light, not compromising. We're to be, yes, gentle, meek, but we're to be reasonable. So often we are offensive to people. We're offensive. And we, if you've got a problem, if you are alienating people in your life, if you have friends and then quickly those friends go away from you, there's a problem with you if it's a repeated thing. And I see this all the time. And we've got we've to relinquish control back to the writer, the master. See what it says in James? Look at verse 19 of chapter 1. And it says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. See, that's a reasonable person. You're listening, 
but you're not zipping it up if you're not. So examine and deal with you first. You want, you want wisdom? Examine yourself. Examine yourself and deal with you first. That's what we're to do. And then it moves on to mercifulness. See the gentle? Then we, we see the progression. And then it goes reasonable. And now you're giving mercy. What does a merciful person do? Is we give what we've been given. Sometimes people are going to be jerks to you. Sometimes people don't deserve mercy. And you, church, you get to give it out. You get to give the mercy that was given to you. As we see in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, it says very plainly, show mercy that you were given, that you were shown. That's what we need to be doing in our lives. That's what a Christian does. So, so we have to definitely give someone mercy like you received. How often do we do that? You know, we've got to give the, those people the mercy. Man, they might be that tool that you just don't want to be with, but you know what? Give them mercy because maybe you're that tool to other people. We need to do that. Let me go on here. Number six, or excuse me, number five, and that's good fruits. Or six, I don't know which number we're on. So good fruits. Good fruits, you know. We should have fruits in our life. You know, and throughout the Word of God, there's an, it's an agricultural analogy. And if you are cultivating good things in your life, there's going to be good fruits in your life. As we talked about last week, so often, you know, does, does, you know, fresh water, you know, come from the ocean? No. Does, does salty water come from a spring? No. See, so you have to be cultivating what's in, in your heart working on your own life so those good fruits can be produced. So here's a very simple one for you. Weed and maintain your personal life. Weed it out. You got stuff in there. Go in there. You know what your garden looks like. Go weed it out. You know what issues you have. That's called discipline. The church is allowed to discipline themselves. We should. Discipline is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Weed out things. I, I, I think it's funny. People always go, you know, we can do it, many things with our bodies. I'm amazed what I can do with my body when I discipline it. I, I, for one year, I gave up soft drinks. And people go, why? And I go, I don't know. I want to see if I can do it. I love Coke. But I said, no, nope, no, nope, I'm not going to do it. So for a year, I could do that because I'm in charge of this. And I, and I can do that, and then if I have trouble, if there's an addiction, if there's a problem, if you have an issue, you have the Holy Spirit's help. So you can weed out your garden. He will reveal, reveal what's going on in your life that you need to deal with. And so we can have good fruits. And in that good fruit, what happens is you become decisive. And that's this next one, is this decisiveness. And, that, and James uses the word unwavering. So many Christians just waver. I'm just going to believe what I want to believe while it's comfortable, and then I'm going to go over here and do that. I'm going to go to that church over there because, you know, this one's a little bit too strict. I'm going to, you know, whatever. You've got to understand, in Matthew, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Boom. Now tell me that's not discipline. You've got to just say, hey, this is what God has called me to do. I want, I want to follow it. See, make your choice to be a decisive Christian. Just make it. Man, you can do this. I'm going to follow God's word. I'm not going to watch that stuff. I'm, I'm not going to listen to that music, that, that thing that comes into my life. I'm not going to do that. I want to follow what God wants. 
and through that you'll see truthfulness come out. That's that number seven one. Truthfulness. Truthfulness is a good thing. And I think we, we miss it. Actually, truthfulness is the last one. Aren't you excited about that? Truthfulness is, 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 is not hypocrisy. Did you know, generally, if you're a hypocrite and you're not being truthful, that means you are hiding something. You are lying to cover up something. A sin. Jealousy. Maybe it's selfish ambition. Or maybe it's something a little bit more colorful. See, you go, oh yeah, I believe what you say, Tom, that's you. Right on, right on. Yeah, I'm totally going to do that, but you never do. Oh, I'm going to volunteer over there, that's for sure, but it never happens. You're not dependable on when people can call on you. See, church, we need to understand that we need to stick to it. We got we to gotta deal with us. Because if you're, if you're not being truthful, there's a problem at your core. Because you are born from above. That's where it comes from. And so learn how we, how we have to do this is I want you to do something. Because if you are being a hypocrite, learn to be quiet and deal with you. Don't lead people astray. Well, boy, I gotta, I, I'm not going to promise. Sometimes we have to step out and promise and say, I'm going to do this. But deal with you. And say, if you do promise, and he goes back to that next one, let your yes be yes and your no be no. We have to be committed to this. This is where wisdom happens. This is where the joy happens. This is where you're living for something beyond yourself, something that's going to matter on that day. I mean, judgment day. Think about this, church. These are your last days. You're going to be standing there before God, like I said. Hey, hey, spaghetti sauce. Or are you going to be going, God, I, I was going and I'm following you and you impacted my life. And oh, it's just so wonderful because I made a difference. What a joy that would be. I mean, that's why it leads to this one. Understand this. Wise people beget God's blessing. You get it. You get it. Remember, when you are cultivating and you are working on your personal life, your garden, you're weeding it out, you're listening to God, you are, you are driven for Him, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be resolved to follow my God, and you let Him do it. There's going to be wonderful things that produce in your life, and that's what we see here in verse 18. And it says, And the seed whose fruit is righteousness. Right there, the seed, the, then it's cultivated, becomes righteousness, and sown is sown in peace by those who make peace. See, you, if you are making peace, you are being meek, letting be controlled by God. You will have peace in your life, and you will sprout things because seeds become fruit. Don't they? If the soil is cultivated, if the soil is kept well, it is fruitful. And we get fruit, church. There's blessing when you're obedient. No, yeah, you're not going to want to do it. You're going to want to do your own thing at times. But if you're resolved and you go, okay, I'm going to do it, God, you're going to see lives transform, worlds transform. You don't know. Because the world needs your wisdom, and you can show it. Let, let me share with you a verse as we get ready to close here. This verse is phenomenal, and, uh, and a lot of people read it with terror, but if you read it with joy and expectation, you're going to see great things. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. 
for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Christian, you can reap wisdom. You can reap the understanding that the world doesn't have. You can navigate these hard times. You can have fruit and abundance in your life. And that is no joke. God is not going to be mocked. He wants to produce it in your life if you let him do it. If you start going, yeah, I'm going to follow God. Because, hey, it's simple. And it's simple to be pure. The world is trying to distract me. I can reap amazing benefits. Yes, you can. We can do wonderful things. We just got to let God in. We just got to be resolved going, okay, Lord, I'm following you. And cultivate that soil. Because I tell you, that's the place to be. No one's going to mock God. I mean, who's got the power? God does. He created the world. He holds the power. He's given you his Holy Spirit. And now you get to live it out. The world doesn't understand what we're talking about. But the Christian who seeks wisdom does. The Christian who desires it does. Church, understand, reaping the fruits of God's wisdom is truly the wisest and simplest choice. Because you can. I mean, think about the alternatives. Stupid is as stupid does. Or wisdom is as wisdom does. Let's pray. Lord God, Lord, we can live for you. We want to live for you. And God, you have given us the opportunity to live for you. So Lord, help us as we go. Let us be resolved to say, now it's you, God. Let us look at ourselves rather than blaming. Let us look at ourselves, God, and say, God, I want this taken care of, my life. And I want to live it for you in my last days, God. Let me live for you. I pray this for our church. I pray for this for people watching at home. I pray this for people that are here in this body. I pray that we would all live for you in these days. Lord, draw us, guide us, and help us to surrender constantly. We ask this in our Savior Jesus' name.